Uh, would you join me in praying as we come to the word this morning? Lord Jesus, uh, as we come and open your word, would you open your word to us? Lord, would you, through your Holy Spirit, just speak your word to our hearts? Lord, bring conviction, bring hope, bring encouragement. Whatever you have for us this morning, may your will be done in this place. Lord, may you come and speak to the hearts of your people. May it never be Bryce said, but may it be the Holy Spirit said. Come and have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So a little bit of a recap. We've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We finished chapter 5. We're about to start chapter 6 here this morning. But where we have been is looking at the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' first kind of big public teaching. But all of this comes on the heels of what he taught everywhere he went. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Everywhere he went, he kept talking about this kingdom of heaven. And the people were intrigued. They had never heard anything like this before. What is this kingdom? What does it mean? And so this large crowd starts to follow him. And so finally, he begins to expound. Let me tell you what the kingdom of heaven is actually like. And so he starts with the Beatitudes, those blessed are passages, where he goes through and goes, let me tell you the kind of people who are blessed in this new kingdom. Let me tell you the kind of people my father is trying to create in this new kingdom. Blessed are the meek, the gentle, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This was nothing like the Jewish people have ever heard. They heard, blessed are those who do this, and blessed are those who don't do that. And Jesus came essentially saying, the king is doing something new. And to be a part of this new kingdom, there's a new kind of righteousness required. So Jesus goes on to tell them, look, you need to be salt and light. You need to be difference makers in the world if you're really going to be a part of this new kingdom. And the people were just scratching their head at all of this. What does this actually mean? What does this actually look like? And so Jesus goes into, we we spent the last couple weeks looking at the, you've heard it said, but I tell you passages, where he's redefining righteousness. You've been taught that righteousness means don't murder anyone. But I'm telling you, don't even hold anger toward your heart, in your brother, in your heart. You've heard, don't commit adultery, but I'm telling you, be careful the things that your heart desires, that you lust after. And so he goes on to redefine righteousness for them. And all the the things that we've looked at so far, we're always in relationship to other people. If you want to know what righteousness looks like in the kingdom, look at the way that you treat your brother or your sister. Look at at your heart towards your brother and your sister. And listen, even this would have been jarring for them. They had been told religion, period, is about you and God. Yes, don't like hurt anyone else, but if you do, go make it right with God. It was all about following the law and and do this in this way at this time and God will be fine with you. And Jesus comes and goes, hey, listen, this new thing the king is doing in this new kingdom, how you treat your brother and sister is just as important as how you treat God. And and this was brand new for them. That everything Jesus said, they would have been taking another step back going, no way, no way. How I treat my brother and my sister matters as much 
is how me and God interact? This was crazy for them. But now we find ourselves in chapter 6. Jesus shifts the focus from our earthly relationships to our heavenly relationship. Jesus goes, okay, now, kind of almost, let's get to what some of you came for. Let's talk about how we relate to God in this new kingdom. But he wanted to make sure they knew how we treat each other is paramount in the kingdom. They would have expected it the exact opposite way. Make sure that you relate to God in this way at this time, and you, you know, there's this order you follow. Oh, yeah, and don't kill anybody. But Jesus flipped this thing on its head. Watch the way you relate to one another. Watch your heart towards one another. And when you relate to God, here's some things to know. So we find ourselves now in this shift where Jesus goes, let's talk about some spiritual practices. Nowadays, what we call them spiritual disciplines. And Jesus goes through a number of spiritual disciplines. We're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at three. But he starts with this warning. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others. And listen, some in the crowd would have been going, but didn't he just tell us to live righteously in front of others? Not to hurt them, but instead to bless them and people would have seen everything he had just talked about. They would have seen them living it out in front of them because it was all about how we relate to each other, right? So wait, 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 Jesus, are you changing it now and you're going, don't live righteously in front of people? Obviously not. But instead he says, not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. Jesus is letting them know, we're not moving away. I'm I'm shifting from earthly relationships to heavenly, but his point is the same. Where is your heart? What is your motivation in this? What's going on inside? He doesn't say don't practice righteousness, but not to be seen by others. When we live rightly, people will notice, yes? People, again, back to the salt and light thing that Jesus taught. People should look at your life and go, there's something like qualitatively different about the way that you live compared to the way that I live or those around me live. They should see our righteousness, but where is our heart in it? Are we living rightly because we want people to notice, to be seen by them? Because listen, there's a warning here. If you do, you will have no reward from your father In heaven. Jesus is moving the conversation towards spiritual disciplines, but he's letting them know right off the bat, the focus isn't changing. It is about your heart. It is about what is motivating you. We're going to discuss giving and prayer and fasting this morning. But listen, never did Jesus say, hey, did you do those things? He says, while you're doing them, what's going on in your heart? But listen, there's something for us to catch here this morning. There is an assumption that you are living out these spiritual practices. At no point in time does Jesus stop and go, hey, listen, we're going to look at it. In case you didn't know, you should be living generously. You should be praying. You should be fasting. He said, look, I'm going to assume you already are because if you're listening, you love God, you want to follow God, these are the steps that like have to happen. You have to pursue him, and we use spiritual disciplines to pursue him. Now, as you do, he then gives some warnings. But there's some of us in here that maybe need to start with that first question. Am I really pursuing the Lord? Do I have spiritual practices? 
He doesn't say, hey, when you get around to reading your Bible, are you a person who reads the Bible, who interacts with God through his word? Are you a person who prays? Because if not, none of this is going to mean anything to you. Jesus is going to say, look, when you pray, be careful of your heart. Some of us need to go, okay, wait, but I don't really pray. I need to almost take the conversation back a step. Am I actually, do I have spiritual practices that help me grow closer to him? Jesus was assuming this first century Jewish audience did because that was their entire life. It was their culture. It was very different than ours. It was expected. If you were a Jew, we know everyone is doing X, Y, and Z. Jesus was going, hey, but be careful your heart while you're doing it. For some of us, we need to say, hey, am I even pursuing him? Do I even care what he says to, in my life through his word? Do I bring things to him in prayer? Do I give? Do I fast? For some of us, we need to start even further back and ask those questions. But listen, it's not just about doing these things. It's about your heart. Rob Reamer in his book, Soul Care, says this. God is far less concerned about your behavior than you think he is. He's way more concerned about your heart than you will ever know. If you get your heart in right alignment with God, your behaviors will always follow. But if you get your behavior in alignment with God, but your heart is not in alignment, on your best day, you'll be like a Pharisee. Ouch. Jesus is going to use the Pharisees in all three of these examples in giving and prayer and in fasting and tell the people, don't be like them. They were doing it, but their heart was wrong as they did it. For some of you, you're going, man, but I really don't read the Bible regularly. I really don't pray regularly. I really don't have these spiritual practices, these spiritual disciplines. Listen, it's not just a matter of I'm just not a disciplined person. There's something off in our heart. We pursue the things that we value naturally. If we're not pursuing the Lord in these ways, there's something off in our heart. Our heart is out of alignment, and so it's not just about go and do those things, but I think Jesus would point us to ask the deeper question, what is off in my heart that I don't desire to pursue him? And listen, those of us who, who have these regular practices, we will tell you very openly, we don't wake up every morning and go, can't wait to crack the Bible. Sometimes. And sometimes it's, I know this is what I need to do. I'd rather just hit the snooze button. I would rather just, but I know this is what I need to do. So I'm not trying to say, unless you wake up every morning so jazzed to get to do it. But if it's not a regular part of our practice, the question is, what's off in our heart? Is this making sense, church? Okay, so before we get to what Jesus is actually teaching, there's an assumption that he was making of his audience that we can't necessarily make today. They were doing these things. Some of us need to take a step back and ask, why am I not, before we move into this. Okay, I'll let the Lord do what he wants to do with that. Let's get back to the text. So starting in Matthew chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 6, verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So listen, as we go through and we look at these, uh, these examples that Jesus gives about 
giving, about prayer, about fasting. Listen, there's some instruction in them, but these are more illustrations. What I mean by that is this. He's not, he doesn't only care about giving, prayer, and fasting. He's using these to illustrate all ways of, of following after Jesus, all of our spiritual disciplines. And we have to kind of contextualize them a little bit. Because if you just read this at face value, listen, none of us are guilty. How many of you even own a trumpet? I don't, like not at all. Our, back then, their culture was literally the Pharisees and the religious elite. They would have trumpeteers following them as they had like their wheelbarrow full of gold that they were going to the temple. And they would literally blow the trumpets, hey, check out this guy. And then he would dump his wheelbarrow into the temple coffers and everyone would go, wow, look at that. Not many of us are going to struggle with, okay, I got to put away the trumpet. Not many of us have ever tithed with one of those big, like, checks that you, when you win the lottery, you know, and somebody else takes it, you smile for the picture. We don't typically do that. So we have to contextualize it a little bit and go, what, what would this look like in today's culture? And we're going to ask this here in a minute. But they were doing it, why? To be seen by men. If there was not a crowd there that week, they may have waited until the next one, and they would give double. They'd still give everything, but they weren't doing it unless there was pomp and circumstance, unless people knew what they were doing. Jesus doesn't in this tell us, and here's how much you should give, and here's how often, and people love to debate that. He says, look, you should be giving. You should be living generously, but as you do, what's going on in your heart? And speaking of the Pharisees, he says, don't do it as the hypocrites do. The, the word for hypocrite there means pretender. Those, those who want to be seen as something other than they truly are. It was actually like a stage term. It was one used of like performers. It meant to put on a mask. An actor was a hypocrite back then. It didn't always have the negative con con connotation. Excuse me. It just meant I'm pretending to be something that I'm not really. And Jesus said, the Pharisees, when they give, are hypocrites. They are pretending to vo devotion to God, but who are they really devoted to? You can talk. It's okay. They were devoted to themselves. They were, they were pretending to care what God thought. Who did they really care? The crowd. They were doing it for the applause of men, and God said, that's all you get then. How long do the applause of men and women last? Seconds. And the feeling it gives you, maybe it lasts an hour or two. And then it's gone. And actually what's left is a need for even more of it. Because you know you were pretending. We, we can't really trick ourselves. We're not that good. And the next time we need even more and even more and even more. And Jesus is going, these Pharisees are digging themselves a hole. And what they're doing is they're missing the blessing of God because what they truly care about is the applause of men. Don't be like the hypocrites. So Jesus would ask them the question, what's going on in your heart as you give generously? Again, there's... There's the expectation to live in generosity as your heavenly father has been generous towards you. But the deeper question, not how much did you give, 
what's going on in your heart as you live generously. And he says, listen, listen, your giving should be in secret. I am such a fan of secret giving. There is, first of all, if you've never done it, it's a rush. I'm just going to call it what it is. To, to surprise someone with something, but like you don't take credit for it. There's no, like, there is such a feeling that comes from it. Because here's the thing. I know that the only person who knows I did it is my father in heaven. And there is this connection I feel with him in that moment where he goes, boy, Well done. I don't need the applause of men. I'm, I'm such a fan of secret giving. Now, does that mean that somebody comes up to me on the street and says, hey, man, can, I'm really hungry. Can you help me with some food? I go, sorry, there's some people around. I'm not allowed. Of course not. We're called to live generously in all situations. But again, what's going on in my heart? Am I doing it so that everyone sees? You know, if there was no crowd, would I still give the guy a 20? But we should be practicing even secret giving. Blessing people where there is no way for anyone to applaud us because I refuse to let anyone know. Honestly, I won't let them steal my reward by telling them. There's temptation. You see that person, I've had people come and tell us the story afterwards of someone blessed us and it was me. And it's tempting to go, okay, I'm so glad you're happy. I'm so glad you liked it. Like, but that is just fleshly, and I refuse to be robbed of my heavenly reward. My father knows what I have done. He is proud of me in that moment, and I would never trade that in for something as cheap as your applause. And you shouldn't do it for mine. Is this making sense, church? So Jesus goes on. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Listen, if you ever wondered why the Pharisees killed Jesus... Just read the Bible. These were powerful men, and he kept going, these hypocrites, these pretenders, these fakes, these charlatans. Like, it's not a surprise. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So let me ask you this question. I think we get this, but I just want to put it out there just to make sure. How were the Pharisees hypocrites in their prayers? Because listen, they told people you should pray. And then they prayed, right? So how were they hypocrites in their prayers? It'd be one thing, one way to be a hypocrite is for me to stand up here and go, hey, you should all be praying three times a day. And then you come to find out I never pray. That's hypocrisy. That was not the Pharisees' problem. They prayed even more than they were telling people to pray. Where's their hypocrisy? Okay. They were praying for recognition from the people, not just to talk to God. Okay. 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 Listen, I'm always a little hesitant when I have a conversation with somebody and we talk like two human beings and then they pray and they're like, oh, Lord, our father. You know, I always kind of go, hmm, 
Now listen, some people, that's just what they grew up with, and that really is how they pray. That's just what, it's what they learned. So I'm not saying, like, now we just judge people based on what words they use. Not at all. None of this is about, so judge your brother, and whether he is praying to the Lord or not. This is about yourself. Do I feel the temptation to pray impressively? Here's the thing. Just because you feel the temptation doesn't mean you have sin. Temptation and sin are very different things. But do I then give in to it? I want to pray in a way that would make these people happy, that makes them think that I'm this like spiritual giant. And, or do I talk to my father in a way that is natural for me to talk to my father? Because I want him to hear me. Other people can listen in. We should be praying together. You will hear me pray, but it should be the exact same prayer whether you're there or whether you're not. Does this make sense? Funny little story about this same idea. Um, I think I've told it before. When we lived in Cleveland, um, I had a friend named Calvin. Um, Calvin had a much darker complexion than myself. And Calvin grew up like inner city. Calvin talked so cool. Calvin does like spoken word poetry. And, like, and so he would pray and he would be like, yo, Lord, it would be dope if you would do this. And I remember he prayed one day and I was just like, oh, I didn't even know that was an option. Like... I love that so much. Like, it was so cool. And I am not cool. So I was like, maybe I can try this. And so one time, just me and the Lord, I was praying, and I was like, yo, Lord, it would be dope if you would do this. I don't often say the Lord said to me, but in this situation, he did. And he said, we don't do that. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> you ever have the Lord just go, what are you doing? This was a, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a me and Calvin thing. Because for Calvin, it was genuine. That was his heart's language, and that's how he prayed. The Lord was like, you're pretending. Don't do it. That's not how you and me talk. Don't get into the habit. Okay, Lord, no problem. When the Lord tells you, don't say dope, you're like, enough said. Okay. But my temptation was to sound cool in praying to others. And the Lord was like, no, 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 don't pervert what we're doing here. This is a father talking to his son. Don't put on airs. Don't pretend. There's no room for that here. And Jesus said, the Pharisees, the hypocrites, they love to be seen. They would preach in the synagogue, or, uh, pray in the synagogues. They would pray on the street corners. And again, the trumpeteers would come out. It was, hey, a big deal is praying right now. Everyone else shut up. And then they would pray these very elaborate prayers that people would look at and they would go, you ever heard this one? I can never pray like that. I hear from so many people, I can never pray in public. And I go, why? And they go, well, have you heard how people pray? I could never pray like that. And it breaks my heart. It honestly makes me very angry at people who have prayed these kind of prayers in front of them before. And trying to set people free and go, it doesn't matter. It's not about that. Just talk to your father. It doesn't have to be impressive. It doesn't have to be. Just pray and talk to your Father. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Some people take this passage very literally and think, I need to have a room in my house that nothing happens in that room but prayer. Like a prayer closet. And listen, that's not a bad thing. It's actually a really cool thing to have a place that is special to you and the Lord. 
a, a place where it's easier for you to connect with the Lord because it's kind of a, a set-aside place, whether that's out in the woods, whether that's an actual closet, whether that's in your car, I don't care. It, it can be a good and healthy thing to have that special place. But Jesus wasn't going, only prayers that happen in that place matter. Really what Jesus was trying to drive at was going, whether in public or in private, who are you actually speaking to when you pray? Kim had said before, just because you close your eyes and say the words doesn't mean you're praying. Are you actually connecting with your Father in heaven? Are you actually speaking to him, or is there the who's around, who's watching, how would they say this? And listen, those temptations, they're going to come in. You can't really control them, but are we giving in to them? When I pray alone in private with the Lord, it should sound exactly the same way it does when I pray with you. There should be no difference because I'm still talking to my same father. Does this make sense, church? So man, if you have that prayer closet, if you have that special place, praise the Lord. That can be an awesome tool and a great thing. But his point is not, again, therefore go build a booth that is for prayer only but it's when you pray it should be exactly like it's just you in private. Jesus goes on to teach more about prayer, which actually we're going to come back to next week. I don't want a short change. Uh, he teaches on the Lord's Prayer, and uh, I want to actually spend time there. So we're going to come back to that. So let, let's skip over that and go to his next teaching on a spiritual practice. He says, when you fast, in verse 16, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Man, he pulled out that hypocrites thing again. He says, listen, the Pharisees, when they fast, they're pretending. They're wearing a mask again. They would actually go out of their way to look bad when they were fasting, hoping that people would ask, what's wrong? Are you sick? Like, what's wrong? You, they would put ash and dirt on their face so that they would look really rough. They would refuse to put on lotion. Listen, they, they lived in the desert. They were dry and ashy. They regularly put on lotion and oil to keep themselves looking healthy. And they would go the opposite way. And they would play up just how deprived they were for the Lord, hoping that people would come and say, excuse me, Pharisee, are, are you okay? Don't mind me, I'm just fasting. I haven't eaten in two days. Whoa. They loved it when people would ask them and they could tell them what was going on because people would applaud. You spiritual giant. How, you do this how often? It's a regular, wow, you are so mature, you are so great. And they would go, oh, oh, don't mind me. Any of you remember the old Rice Krispie Treat commercials? If you're my age or older, probably yes. If you're younger, maybe no. All of the Rice Krispie Treat commercials was, it was like how easy it was to make Rice Krispie Treats at home. And so it was this mom sitting in the kitchen. They were always those kitchens that had doors that closed. And she's just reading a book, watching TV, doing whatever. And it cuts to the family outside going, she's slaving in there. She is making us the best dessert ever. And mom's just reading a book. And then she would go, oh, I'm coming. And she'd take flour and throw it on her face, get her face wet with water. So it looked like, And she would go, oh, 
I'm here, I've made these for you. And everyone was like, mom's the best. That was the Pharisees, man. That was how they approached the people. I'm gonna ham this up as much as possible because the more I do, the better people will think that I am. And Jesus goes, those hypocrites will receive nothing from their father in heaven. They might as well have just eaten breakfast because they're wasting their time. The applause that they get from men, as soon as that clapping stops, they're back to life as normal. They have received nothing of benefit from their heavenly father. So instead, Jesus says for you, put oil on your head, clean your face. You should honestly look at your best, even though you're probably gonna feel weak. We're pretty used to eating three squares a day. It's hard to give up one meal. I'm, I'm telling you, by about three in the afternoon, I'm like clawing my way through the day just to make it. But Jesus says, clean yourself up. Look at your best. It should be a secret practice between you and the Lord because the only person that matters it, and if they know you're fasting is your heavenly father. Your fasting, listen, I'm not gonna get into a whole teaching on fasting, but the whole point of fasting is to say, Jesus, I need you and the things of you more than I need blank, more than I need food, more than I need social media, more than I need TV. There's all different kinds of things that we can fast. The whole point of it is going, I need you more than I need this. And so who cares if anyone else sees it because it's not for them. This is a private thing between you and me. And so I'm gonna go out of my way to look even better, even healthier, even more put together. Ladies, put on your makeup. Guys, brush your hair. We're pretty easy, okay? But like, clean yourselves up so that no one knows except your Father in heaven. And he will reward you. So Jesus, with all of these, he just keeps coming back. Who are you practicing your righteousness for? Is it for the cheap thrill in the moment? Or are you playing the long game? Trusting that your Father in heaven will reward you. Who are you actually trying to impress with your righteousness? Here's the good news, church. Actually, the great news. You can't impress God. Impossible. There's nothing you can do that he goes, wow, I could never lift that much. You bring nothing to the table. You cannot impress God, and that is good news because he also never asks you to impress him. Suffer in such a way. Read so diligently. Pray for so long that God goes, wow. You can't. Don't try. It's more just about are we pursuing him with hearts, honestly, that are set aside for him. Lord, whether people think this is awesome or people think I'm weird, I don't care. I just want you. So let me ask this question. Let's, let's try to bring it home a little bit because it's easy to look at, again, a first century Jewish culture. They were praying. They were fasting. Like these were regular. They had them set on the calendar times that they would do this. Everyone knew everyone else was doing it. And so it was more just about like don't put on a show when you do it. It's not the same thing here today. 21st century America, everyone is not praying. Everyone is not fasting. Everyone is not giving. So it looks very different for us. What are some 21st century American ways that we can try to impress people with our righteousness? Because the message Jesus was giving, like, as soon as they got out of Jewish culture, it's not like, went, oh, that teaching doesn't matter anymore. What are ways that we can be tempted to try to impress people with our righteousness? Because it's going to look different today than it did back then. 
Social media, how so? Okay, yeah, when you, when you do that good deed, when you help that person, man, okay, when we go on missions trips, one of the things that people who live in these other countries have asked us not to do is bring phones, reason being, they had a, a huge problem. People would come from America and they would go, yeah, let's help feed these people and then take selfies with them all the time. And the people are going, what, you're, what is this? <laughs> you're using me. They saw that people were going, because I know this is going to get me likes back home. And so they were using that, their ability to help people in a way to get likes, to get applause. Okay? What else? The old humble brag. Hey guys, I really helped somebody out this week, and so I'm only bringing it up so that you can join me in praying for them. You know, like, okay. I wasn't sure if I was going to get into this or not, but it, it's a good segue. Fear of man is what is driving this. And fear of man has two sides. It can lead us to either practice our righteousness to try to impress, and man, don't you think I'm awesome? Or it can lead us to places of disobedience, where God is calling us to live righteously, but we're going, but I don't know what they would think. But I don't. It all revolves around the same thing. What do these people think of me? It, it's a fear of man, it, it's idolatry. And it can lead to this living impressively to try to get applause. It can also lead to a shrinking away, which, listen, is just as dangerous. Jesus, will, he'll deal with that later. But for now, he's going, man, on, for those on this side who have been taught, actively taught by the Pharisees, the more impressive you are toward around people, the more God cares about you. And so he was teaching about that side, but it really is both sides. It's the same thing. What else? Anything else? 21st century American ways that we try to impress people. Yep. 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 Yeah, our politics revolves hugely around this. I mean, kiss a baby, make sure there's a picture taken, whatever else, like, look at how righteous this person is. Who cares what's happening behind the scenes? But the hypocrite part, just to put it out there so that people see and hopefully will vote. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
there, there's a whole movement in America right now, we tend to call it the prosperity gospel, but it says the more financially blessed you are, the more God loves you, the more God values you. Because look, people God hates don't drive Porsches, do they? You're like, eh, you can talk about that. But like, but there is this whole thing out there of like, the, the better you dress, the more you have, in a way, it can be tied into, look at how righteous I am. Therefore, God blessed me with all of this. When listen, I could go right now and I could sign the papers for a lease to, on a Porsche. Uh, they're probably going to come take it again in like two months. But I could pretend it for a while. I can manufacture. Look at how good my life is. And again, social media can play into this. Look, everything's always awesome. Everything's always great. I'm so blessed. But it's an act. I'm, tr I'm truly just trying to impress people because at the end of the day, I know how unhappy I am. I know how the stuff doesn't actually do anything. I feel just as alone, just as worthless, just as whatever it may be, because I think Jesus would say, I'm trading in the blessing of God for the applause of men, for the likes, for the attaboys, whatever it may be. And it's, it's a raw deal. It's a bad deal, but we make it all the time. Sure. Sometimes it's not standing on the street corner. It's just, I just really want for David to know. Like David's opinion really matters to me. And so I'm not going to tell all of you, but I'm going to find a way to let him know. It can be so sneaky. And I go, see, I'm not like the Pharisees. They would have put out an email blast. I only told two people. We're going to get to some questions here that deal with this specifically. But I, I want to come back to the thing that Jesus ended every one of these teachings with it's in verse 4, verse 6, and verse 18. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the thing he keeps drawing their eyes back to. Don't be like the hypocrites in this way. Don't be like the hypocrites in this way. Don't be like the hypocrites in this way. But always remember, your father who sees in secret will reward you. These are, Jesus is talking about secret disciplines, secret giving, secret prayer, secret fasting, and listen, you can go on into any of the spiritual disciplines. What's done in secret transforms the heart. There's a spiritual truth here. What's done solely for the benefit of you and your father. I don't, I don't care if anyone else knows, Lord, this is between you and me because I care what you think. Because I want to be drawn close to you. Secret disciplines that transform the heart. Inward, private disciplines that lead to outward change. All the other stuff that Jesus was talking about, about not holding anger in your heart towards your brother and being generous, and all of this comes from a life of secret disciplines 
where I'm changed and I'm transformed to where now when I'm out with you, I can't help but live differently. Kind of back to what Rob Reamer says. We tend to put those two things different. We go live differently with other people and hopefully your heart catches up. Jesus says instead, in the quiet places where no one sees you but the Lord, live in a way that's pleasing to him and he will then change your actions. He will change the way that you live because what's done in secret transforms the heart. So here's, I think, the, the question that Jesus would ask to each of us here now. Do we trust that the Lord really sees us when no one else does? If no one else ever knows about that thing you did, even that good thing that you did, does the Lord see it? Do we, do we truly believe that the Lord sees do we trust that the Lord really sees us? Listen, even when it doesn't feel like it. Because sometimes there's that thing, like I said, in some of that secret giving where you just sit back and you and the Lord kind of chuckle together and you go, I'm so glad we did that. Sometimes it's just hard. Some, sometimes that secret prayer life feels like it's bouncing off the ceiling. Do we truly trust that the Lord sees us even when it doesn't feel like it? And do we trust that the reward that the Lord gives is truly better than the praise of people? We know the answer is yes, but it is so tempting to get the applause, to get the likes, whatever it might be. Why? Because something in my heart is twisted. Do I truly believe that the reward of the Lord, he doesn't spell it out and go, if you do this, God will do this for you. He was just saying, your father sees you and he rewards those who live like him, who are generous like him. Do we truly trust that the reward that he will give is better than the applause of people? If we did, honestly, it wouldn't even be tempting. If I knew Kim was taking me out to an amazing steak dinner, that bowl of cereal that I was gonna eat at four o'clock would mean nothing to me. Be the easiest thing in the world to say no to. If I was like, okay, she told me that before and we didn't actually go, maybe I'll just have a small bowl of cereal, you know what I mean? Like, some of you don't eat cereal in the afternoon, you should. It's a fantastic snack. But it got quiet when I mentioned cereal at four in the afternoon. I'm, that's a problem with you guys, not with me. <laughs> but it's like that. We settle for the praise of people because I think truly in our hearts we don't believe that what God has for us is as good or at least good enough. That's something we have to bring to him. And listen, we have to allow him to work through. If the answer to any of these is no, I don't really trust that the Lord sees me when no one else does. I don't trust that he sees me when I, when I don't feel it, when it's just kind of walking through the mud. It's, it's hard work. I really don't trust that he sees me. I don't, I don't know that I trust that his rewards are good. My thing is not, well, then figure it out, people. It's go to him with it. Tell the Lord, I don't trust you. That's scary, right? If I went to my wife and said, I don't trust you, that would be a rough conversation between us, right? And here's why, because she's sinful. And, can I say that? Is that okay? I have a problem, but to admit it to my wife, the reason it's scary is because she also has problems. And I'm going, what is this going to blow up? She, something broken in her is going to react to the broken thing in me. The Lord has no broken pieces. When we come to the Lord and we go, listen, I don't trust you. Not in an accusatory way, but in a, I want to, but I don't know how. 
He doesn't get hurt and offended and go, oh, how dare you? He knows. And he goes, I'm so glad that you brought that to me. Let's begin to work through it. Why do we feel this, this draw toward the applause of men? Because ultimately we don't trust him like we should. And that is the very thing we need to bring to him with open hands and say, your word says that you are good and that you can be trusted, but something in me is fighting that. I need your help. And then watch what he will do. So he's calling us to secret disciplines that will transform our heart and transform the rest of our lives. Do we trust him enough to put them into practice? I'm going to ask the music team to come up and I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, I think we would all sit here and say your word is true. Everything, Jesus, that you just taught, we would read and we would say yes and amen. I don't want to be a hypocrite. But Lord, we know our lives. We know we are hypocrites. Because we will say that now, and before tomorrow is out, we will have done one of the very things you told us not to do. And I'm so grateful that you don't stand and, and condemn us, but instead you reach out and you remind us that what you have is even better. So Lord, if we are in one of those places of going, I just don't know that I can truly trust him with that. I just don't know that I can, can trust that he will be enough if no one else knows, if no one else sees would you draw us in deeper, Lord? May we be bold to bring that to you and see what you will do, Lord. You will not use it against us. You will not turn it on us and try to hurt us with it. You will instead wrap your arms around us and draw us in even deeper. So Lord, build our trust, build our faith in you. God, I pray one day to the point where we don't need the applause of men whether they ever find out or not, I don't need it because I know my Father in heaven sees what is done in secret and I know that he has a reward waiting for me that honestly I can't even imagine. Would you build this kind of trust in us, God, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we sing this last song, I want this to be a time of response. Uh, if the Lord has spoken something to your heart, I'm, I keep saying this and you need to put some feet to it to come up here. The, the stage is open to come and pray. Uh, David and Kitty, if you guys would be over here, if you need prayer for something, whether something related to this message, you need prayer for, for healing, for something else going on in your life, please come and have them pray with you. Let's respond to what the Lord is doing this morning.